Okay, welcome to Around the Corner. I'm Ben Wager, and I'm with Don Gibson, my guest host. And uh, today we're going to talk about two movies from 1969 to 1970. And uh, as you know, in this format, Don and I pick a movie from that time that uh, we're going to present for the um, deconstruction of our review of these movies and discussions. Uh, so today we're going to start off with Don's selection and let's just let Don go for it. Go, go ahead, Don. Uh, hi, Ben. Hi, everybody. Uh, so the film I, I selected is uh, Patton. Um, it's this film about the, the iconic General uh, Patton. And uh, it was directed by a man named Franklin Schaffner, who I don't think is actually a, whole, uh, a, a household name. But he did make some interesting films that many of us know. He did Papillon with Dustin Hoffman and Steve McQueen, and he also did Planet of the Apes. So he is a well-known guy. Uh, but the film is really known for the starring the feature role of uh, uh, George C. Scott as Patton. Uh, this, this is a film that uh, kind of defined his career. Um, he you know, played Patton, uh, you know, kind of beyond even what Patton was. And Patton was a, a phenomenal uh, folk hero at the time and during World War II. Uh, historically, uh, uh, Patton, um, he was... He was known for uh, being the leading general in taking uh, North Africa in World War II and then uh, getting back into Europe in the first campaign to get back to Europe. They led, he led the Americans in the Sicily campaign and, uh, and then eventually in Northern France. And he drove remarkable uh, um, success across France. And he, was, he went much further than anyone. He was going too fast for the generals and they were actually trying to slow him down. And so he was this remarkable uh, figure in, in military history. And, and he also was known for saying things that were inappropriate or surprising. So he made a comparison between the Nazis and the Republicans and Democrats. And he also slapped uh, a couple of uh, uh, people that had uh, a shell shock in, during the war. And he actually got removed from command um, for that. He, he was known also for insulting Russians. He didn't like the Russians. And as soon as they defeated the Nazis, he actually was telling the command, let's keep going and let's push on to Moscow and defeat the Russians. So he's this fascinating character that uh, we see him for his good and his bad. And George C. Scott uh, does it remarkably well. You know, I, I just want to add that, you know, as Patton's uh, his, his track record in World War II was very much like a roller coaster ride. I mean, the guy had amazing peaks, but then he had huge uh, dips. Uh, you know, he was very successful, like you said, in North Africa and in the Sicily campaign, but then he was actually removed from command and uh, Omar Bradley was given his armies and, and um, he was basically turned into like a, a publicity um, and a distraction because the Germans who thought he was the best commander they had they they had intelligence that was, was tracking him 100% thinking he was the mastermind for everything that was going to happen in Europe. And then the allies found out and then they just made him like a, um, a, a they made a fake army and put him in charge of it in England just to distract the Germans from uh, the D-Day invasion. So he was just a massive distraction and the Germans bought it. They, they kept an army, uh, their 15th army by Calais, thinking that was where the invasion was just because uh, just the sole reason was because Patton's was supposedly going to invade from England with his fake army. 
Yeah, and that's it's very well portrayed in the film. Um, there's quite a lot of cutting back and forth to the Nazi, the German perspective. And they're always talking about what's Patton gonna do? What Pat, what's Patton gonna do? And they were, they definitely portray that obsession they had with him as a figurehead of America. And then there's this great scene when a junior officer says to a general in the Nazi army, um, no, 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 he's not in charge anymore. He slapped a soldier. And then the general's like, that's insane. Um, that's just, they're, they're, they're trying to con us. And meanwhile, it actually, there's a lot of uh, historical truth to it, so. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned Bradley. Bradley is General Bradley, who did take over. He was in charge of the European campaign. He's played by Carl Malden, and most of us know him, or maybe, maybe I'm dating myself, but from Streets of San Francisco was a big TV show he did in the 70s, and he also is quite well known for being the priest in uh, on the waterfront. And I think he was in the Amex commercials, Mac Express commercials. I think that was a big campaign for him. Yeah. Um, so this film is a pretty, there's a ma many amazing things about the actual production of the film. It, it, when you look at it, everyone talks about the iconic opening six minutes or so when we just see a giant star-spangled banner um, on a stage and then uh, Patton comes up on the stage, he does this great speech to we assume like West Point recruits and a lot of his famous lines are, 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 are given to it about, you know, it's not about us dying for the, our country, it's about them dying for their country, so we will, we will win. And, and, and uh, so it's this great iconic speech, six straight minutes that we have, we've seen no story before this moment. Um, and interestingly, when, when Patton heard about, uh, sorry, when not Patton, uh, Sergi Scott heard about how this speech was gonna be used, initially he refused to do it. He says, I don't wanna do that speech because everyone's gonna talk only about that and not my performance the rest of the film. And so the director said, no, no, I promise we'll put it later in the film. And he lied to him and they actually put it in the beginning. So when everyone talks about this film, I think most people focus on this iconic scene and it's beautifully shot. And it's one of the reasons a lot of people think that George C. Scott did a such a great role. Yeah, there's um, even another story about that as well, where, um, you know, Francis Ford uh, Coppola was the, the screenwriter along with uh, North, Edmund North. And uh, they actually, uh, the studio didn't like that first scene and they, and they didn't, and, and there was no way that they were interested in having that happen and, and Coppola and, and was refusing to back down on it. And so they fired him and, and he walked away from the project. And George C. Scott actually said, no, if, if he's out and that script's not gonna be used, I'm not doing the project. And then they brought him back. So George That's C. True. Scott was very much supportive of that, of that script. And, and that was the only one he wanted to do. Yeah, and and that's so that yeah, you're, you're talking. So the really interesting thing historically about this film is the fact that Coppola was involved. Uh, he won the best screenwriting uh, award for this the script, um, and uh, his the script. You know, when you think, oh, I'm going to see a war film. This is this is not a traditional war film. There are definitely battle scenes, and and we do you know detail the rise of Patton and the rise and up and down pattern of Patton. But there's this poetic element that that. Uh, a couple of put in definitely the opening iconic scene, but there's also these moments uh, where he's wandering onto battlefields and reflecting. He says, well, I was here, you know, he goes to Carthage and I was here and they're like, oh, you remember it? He said, no, I was physically here. And then he talks about the battle. And then there's also a reference of him saying that he was there in another battle where Napoleon was. And so there's this whole thing about Patton actually being Kind of believing in reincarnation in a way, but like he. No, he definitely believed in reincarnation. It was yeah. Well, it was that's, that's weird. Being, that's, yeah, it's being it was, promoted. Yeah, it was definitely he, and, and he was a devout Christian who believed in reincarnation. So he had a very, yeah. he had a very customized uh, belief system when it came to religion. 
Yeah, and it and it's really, but it's and it's done with this is beautiful. The film was also nominated, but the film was nominated for about ten awards. It won many: best picture, best actor, best director. Um, it didn't win for best uh, uh, score, but there one part of the score is this beautiful, haunting sort of. Uh, trumpet sound every time he yeah reflecting yeah. on these things jerry goldsmith is, jerry goldsmith yeah, jerry goldsmith and it's this echoing sound that that makes us sort of like oh he's going into that mode again kind of uh, like uh actually i i have it queued up let me see if i can play it all right and see if we can hear it on here that'd be great um, um here, it here, we, here it is let's see if you can hear this okay So that's the that's the sound of the uh, that you're re referring to. Yeah, and it's it's once again like they also have a lots of battle music and and sort of you know patriotic music, but this is the sound that I would say dominates it and makes us think of Patton. And the way they portray Patton is really interesting. He's this really tough, mean guy that you know if you're not fighting and you're not out there, he's got no time for you. But then they have this interesting sort of metaphor they bring in later with this dog Willie. Uh, bull terrier that he yeah. kind of shows up when he goes to England and Willie is a tough looking bull terrier that'll you know tear the throat out of whatever and then he encounters this little Maltese or little little tiny rat right. and, he, yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the dog barks crazily at Willie and Willie freaks out and goes around the corner and now we realize oh there's something about yeah. Willie he's not as strong or as aggressive as he right. looks and then we're like oh but wait a minute this is sort of Patton and our last scene in the film is Patton walking Willie out to a battlefield or out to a field. And it's just sort of this, once again, it's sort of undercutting this idea of what a war genre film is about. These little elements that uh, were put in to develop more Patton's character than, um, than the idea of, you know, America triumphing in war. Although that theme of course is in there as well. You know, and another interesting thing is when he, when he gets the dog and he's coming out of the car, he's like, this dog shall be named William. And, and, and he, and then, and the dog, you know, gets scared by the little toy dog. And he says, no, your name is Willie. And he changes the name. Yeah, he changes the name. He's, exactly. he's disappointed with the dog. And going back to, uh, I just want to go back to that score. Uh, you know, one of the things that when I listened to this, and I hadn't watched this film in forever. And so I had no, no recollection. But as soon as I heard that score, where that, that, that horn playing, that da 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 I was like, oh, my God, I know that. I know that's music. And I and then I did some research on Jerry Goldsmith and um and I realized that in actuality that film, I'm gonna play another sound and let me see if you think that this is this is a similarity to you hear that? I do hear it, but I don't recognize it. That is from uh Field of Dreams. Oh which is directed by Philip Alden Robinson. And actually the score was done by James Horner, who obviously is well, you know, I don't have to tell you who James Horner is. And it turns out that uh, Philip Robinson was extremely uh, influenced by Jerry Goldsmith and worked with him uh, in 2002 on The Sum of All Fears, actually hired him right before he died, a few years before he died, to work on um, the musical score for The Sum of All Fears, which was a, a Clancy, a terrible movie, but... Uh, yeah. But he um, he hired him because of Patton and you know Chinatown, and so he you can hear the influence of Patton on Field of Dreams because you know Robinson worked with 
um, uh, James Horner, and he probably told him, look, I want some of this, this, you know, when the magical mystical thing happens, I want this kind of sound. Right. Uh, and he probably played him the patent sound and said, I want it like this, you know? And so right, I right. think, because when you listen to field of dreams, every time the magical magic happens, the corn or the, the old man or whatever, you know, and the baseball, all that stuff, you know, you get that connection where there's that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So there's, you know, yeah. immediately when I first heard it, I was like, oh my God, I know that. And then I went back and collected and found that connection between Robinson and Jerry Goldsmith and Field of Dreams and uh, Patton. So I, I thought that was just fascinating because yeah. it's so, it so connected me to those two films, you yeah. know, that they use that not as uh, complicated as a connection. Um, the one connection I would make from uh, Patton to another film would be to Apocalypse Now. So uh, uh, obviously Coppola wrote both this and Apocalypse Now. And then the, the character that uh, Robert Duvall plays and is, uh, I would say, very much modeled after Patton. Uh, Colonel Bill Kilgore. Um, he is the, when you look at this guy and he taught, you know, he's, he's the character that says, uh, napalm smells like victory. And right, right. I love the smell of napalm in the morning while they're trying to surf and he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't even flinch. And the, the, the same sort of personality, I would say, is very much reflected in that character through Patton. So um, that was both the Coppola inspired uh, work. So, so I want to just I want to just say that I thought the uh, you know just to kind of round this to bring this off I thought Patton wasn't really a war movie but it was really a, a, a biography and like a documentary about Patton and that the it was set in this war movie and it really brought out the war but you know you, you really got the sense that this was a character driven movie about this man and the the war was the setting but they did so such a good job with how they captured the war and just the how the officers were like corporate giants that were in charge of these businesses and each of the armies were a business and, and they were competing almost like there was a competition. And it was just yeah. it was very, so far away from the everyday grunt who had to go and fight in the trenches and, and march on the roads. I mean, they were just so far away from that in, in the decisions and the levels of, of everything that was happening in the movie. You yeah. know, he, you know, every once in a while he'd drop in and go, Oh, Hey boys, how you doing? And then he'd drop back out of that. But it was just, um, so much more about the command and control of, of, of war. I agree. I mean, and there are actually a lot of battle sequences in it that are incredibly expensive and complicated. This film had 71 locations and, okay. and they shot a lot in Spain because they actually, there was a lot of American uh, military equipment there, Jeeps and tanks, et cetera. And so it's actually, you can see it was, it cost $13 million at the time, which was quite a bit of money at the time. But the battle sequences are definitely not, even though they're so quite extravagant and big, they're kind of theatrical. And you know, when you compare it to a film like Saving Private Ryan, that visceral feeling of being in combat is not in Patton. No, it's, it's definitely from the view of the strategists, the, the, the strategists, you know, of the, uh, you know, you're, you're always looking from a distance and it's very, oh there's just a few snapshots of close-ups of blowing up tanks and men dying. But in, in reality, most of the views you're getting from the, 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 the vantage point of the, of the binoculars for the command centers and the bunkers and things of yeah. that nature. So, yeah, I think you're right. It was definitely um, uh, a, a, a a film that was designed to kind of show that perspective and only take a snapshot of this other side. Yeah. So uh, I want to uh, end this podcast right now. 
And I'm going to uh, tell you that in our next podcast, we're going to look at MASH. And so I want to thank Don for coming in and uh, stay tuned because our next podcast will be uh, comparing and looking at the movie MASH. Uh, and we will be connected to this podcast. So make sure that you watch them both together. All right, guys, thanks for sh- uh, coming in and watching uh, Around the Corner and listening to Around the Corner and we'll see you next time. See you later.